0: Just attacked we saw a terrorist attack in New York City. We saw the conclusion of an ugly Senate race that highlighted the vision the vitriol to which our politics have descended. The revelations of just horrific behavior by leaders in both Hollywood and government continue to unfold before us, and, and just in recent weeks, Virginia has been determined to have widespread flu activity by the CDC. Busyness, traffic, stress, and the pressure to decorate and shop and celebrate properly for Christmas, they all just, just pile up to, to try and suck the joy out of our everyday lives. So what was this angel talking about? Did that first Christmas really usher in great joy for all the people? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Christmas ushered in a wealth of enduring joy for all who choose to receive it. So if we are lacking joy this season, let's this morning take the time to to step back and, and get a better understanding of the nature of the great joy that Jesus brought with him so we can tap into it and share it with others in our increasingly joyless world. Now, to more fully understand the gift of joy, the nature of joy, the, the essence of the joy that we have through Jesus. We're going to be looking at a very rich passage this morning from John chapter 15. It's, it's often studied. It's one we could discuss for weeks. But today we're going to be focusing on, on the bottom line of the passage. And it's interesting because as I was preparing for this, it's, it's one that I've studied a lot, yet I'm not sure this bottom line has ever been emphasized in any of the studies I've been in. And the passage is John chapter 15 verses 1 through 11. Jesus says, "I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you." And note well this final verse, these things, all these things in these first ten verses, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. These words are part of Christ's final discussion with his disciples as he prepared them to live and minister without his physical presence. And verse 11 tells us why Jesus chose to share these particular insights, insights about which entire books have been written. They are so his disciples would be full of joy, even as he knows that they are going to face hardship and deprivation and suffering for the rest of their lives. Jesus wanted them to be full of joy, and he, he wants us to be full of joy the joy that is only possible through him, the joy that we celebrate as a gift of Christmas. Rightly understood, everything in verses 1 through 10 describes how and why we are able to be full of joy in Christ regardless of the circumstances that surround us, good or bad, prosperous or poor. And this morning I organized these into four truths, that in Christ we find joyful relationship, meaning, power, and love. So first of all, as we walk through this passage, we are joyful because through Christ we are in relationship with the God of the universe. We are connected, corrected, and cleaned. Now we live in a world that is increasingly isolated. I have lived in Northern Virginia my entire life, but for newcomers here, those who perhaps come on a military or or career move, this area is a bit of a shock. It is such a busy place and there is such an emphasis on work and career and education and achievement that we seldom have time to really meaningfully connect with the people around us. We seldom know our neighbors very well and Truth be told, we often don't know our families very well, particularly when we get into those seasons of life where we are constantly coming and going and, and shuttling people from one sport or meeting or activity to another. We can become strangers in our own homes. So as we, as we grow more and more distant from those around us, we, in our hyper-modern era, try to compensate through, through social media. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, and all that. And it would seem reasonable that if we have 713 friends, we must be well connected. And yet all the current research reveals that the more we participate in social media, the less social we actually are. The more lonely and isolated and anxious we become. In a world of increasing isolation, Jesus is offering us an alternative in verse 1. I am the true vine. And in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. What he offers is the ultimate connection, the connection to the God of the universe made available to us through Jesus Christ. Like an infinite grapevine. Jesus is the life-giving vine. Every follower of Jesus Christ is a branch connected to that vine drawing our life from him. In Christ we are never alone. We are always connected to the eternal son of God. In Christ we're never isolated. Jesus is always with us. And what a joy this is, that even when we feel like we may not have a friend in the world, for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, we always have a friend in Jesus, as the song says. This is a joy we must share this Christmas with the lost and lonely and isolated people that I assure you we are encountering every single day, whether we recognize it or not. Now, verse two delivers to us the good news that in Christ we are corrected by the God of the universe. So we're connected, but we're also corrected. Truth be told, we often don't like to be corrected, but it's for our own good. When we realize that, we begin to realize that once we really recognize the nature of the world around us, that we live in a world that actually seems to delight in our disappointments, that is very happy for us to go down the wrong path. That that looks forward to profiting from our failure. We even make up elaborate words to describe it, words like schadenfreude, that snarky little joy we get when we see someone else fail. But the good news is that we have a God who delights in seeing us grow, who delights in seeing us become more like his son Jesus. As verse 2 explains, every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are fruitful for the Lord, but we can always be more fruitful. And, And the cool thing, the amazing thing, the astounding thing is that rather than just leave us the way we are, God loves us so much that he works with us to make us ever more fruitful, ever more like his son. Now, if you've ever done any pruning in your yard, you know pruning probably doesn't feel good, right? It feels like being handled roughly, cut sharply, losing things we value about ourselves. But God's pruning always has a purpose, and it is to transform us into someone ever more fruitful than we once were, to perfect us in Christ. Think about this. Think about this. The one who spoke the universe into existence... Who formed mankind out of dust cares so much about you and me that he doesn't want to leave us the way that we are. That he actively works to correct us and improve us. That's incredible. That's incredible. So whenever we might be feeling unloved or neglected or unnoticed in life, what we see here in verse 2 is the assurance that we can always be joyful because God always sees us and wants to make us the best that we can possibly be. What an incredible gift of transformation that Jesus brought with him at Christmas. And what an incredible gift we have to offer when we share the good news of Jesus Christ with those around us longing for transformation. I think it is a true statement. We are in a culture that longs for transformation. It's just we're looking for it in all the wrong places. And that brings us to verse 3, which introduces us to that great good news of the gospel, the source of our transformation, that in Christ we are made clean. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Notice Jesus' words here: We're not clean because we cleaned ourselves. We're not cleaned because of our efforts, or because we behaved well, or or because we are following directions particularly well. We're not clean because we're more moral or more religious than some other branch down the vine. We're clean because of the word of Christ. We're clean because once we believe that word and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are washed clean by His blood that He shed for us on the cross. Once we admit that we all make mistakes, we all hurt people, we fail to do the things we should, we all sin and fall short of God's standard, once we understand that we can never be clean enough by our own efforts to deserve a relationship with the Lord or to earn His forgiveness for our sins, then we're at a point where we can accept the truth that Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, that innocent babe born in Bethlehem who we celebrate in this season, grew up to live a sin free life so that He could be the perfect sacrifice required to pay the penalty for all of our sins and all of our mistakes, all of the sins we've ever committed and all the sins we're ever going to commit. And once we believe this word, that even though we are undeserving sinners, that, that Jesus Christ still died for our sins and rose from the dead, and that through faith in him, we too will rise from the dead and live forever in the presence of God, we are cleaned. It doesn't matter the filth we've gotten ourselves into. It doesn't matter the guilt or the shame that we carry. No matter the pain that we have caused or the pain that we have experienced in Christ, we are clean forever and always. 1 John 1.9 explains our joy in this, that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are never so far from God that he won't immediately forgive us and embrace us when we turn to him. The people we love are never so far from God that he won't immediately forgive them and embrace them when they turn to him. Now, there are a lot of people in this world around us who are carrying such a burden of guilt, who who believe that their mistakes and their past define them, that they can never get past that, that they are beyond the reach of God's love. And as we celebrate the joy that we experience, as we stand clean before the Lord of the universe, we need to share with them this gift. There are so many burdened by their past who need this gift. But not only are we joyful because we have a relationship with God, we are joyful because through Christ we find meaning. We are made capable, fruitful, and nourished by the Son of God. Now, traditional American culture says you need to make it on your own, do it all yourself, earn everything. Right? That's how I was raised, that's how I think many of you were raised. All right, we are the nation of the cowboy and the lone inventor. But the reality is you can't do everything on your own. I will guarantee that every single person in this room has either already learned this lesson or you will one day. That at some point your best is not going to be enough to get you past a difficult situation. And for a type A, go get them high achiever, Raised to work hard, never show weakness, and never ask for help, this lesson is painful and humbling. It shakes our confidence, it shatters our worldview, it leaves us struggling to find meaning in our lives and in our work, and this can be a tremendously good thing. Because Jesus says here that this vision of us doing it all ourselves is a myth. Verse 4 makes it clear, our full capabilities are only realized through our relationship with Him. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. It doesn't matter how hard we work for the church Our fruitfulness and our capability to productively serve the kingdom of God is not based on our personal skills and our hard work, but on our ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ, who gives us the strength and the power. Christ makes us capable of things way beyond our abilities. As followers of Christ, we are not left to figure things out and to struggle on our own. We are made capable in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, our post-Christian modern American world increasingly struggles with the big issues of meaning and purpose. This actually makes a lot of sense, because if you don't believe in God's Word, you are left to seek meaning in a worldview that says all life is a random combination of atoms and molecules, the, the product of billions of years of accidental events. So, of course, there's no meaning or purpose in this. And we wonder why we have generations finding no point or purpose in life. Because this is now the culture that is dominating our American culture. This is why so many around us give up and just seek, how can I maximize pleasure or maximize power or maximize money or, or status? Or, or else they wind up turning to drugs or alcohol or other escapes to numb the pain of a meaningless life. but our joy is that for those who are rooted in Jesus Christ, who are connected to the vine, we never lack for meaning in our lives. Our lives and labors always have a purpose. We were individually crafted by the creator of the universe himself in his image, without mistake, made exactly the way he intended for us to be, to glorify him and to build his kingdom. This is what Jesus refers to as bearing fruit in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Without Christ there really is no purpose in life because we can't actually accomplish anything of permanence. With Christ we bear much fruit, fruit that goes on for generations. There is meaning in our lives that brings joy even in the midst of the daily day struggle to accomplish the tasks laid before us. This is a precious source of joy that that we should be not only holding on to and savoring, but sharing as we encounter others who have lost their sense of purpose. The world around us tries to grind us down. Amidst the busyness of this stretch run for Christmas, I'm willing to bet there are some here who are feeling a bit ground down, exhausted, spread thin. But in Christ, we can rejoice that we are also nourished and sustained and built up. Verse 6 says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. Apart from Christ, each person inevitably withers collapsing under the strains and stresses of life. But in Christ, we experience the nourishment that Paul explains to the Philippians. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's the sustaining, lifelong nourishment we find in Jesus Christ. So the joy that we can have, no matter what our external circumstances are, no matter how difficult this season of life we may be walking through can be, this is a source of joy that transcends anything the world has to offer. And this is joy we need to share with those who are burdened and broken by this world. Third, we're joyful because through Christ we're empowered. Verse 7 explains If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The extraordinary thing about our relationship with Jesus Christ is that through it, we're no longer limited to just our abilities and our strengths and our skills. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have this enormous privilege and and power to come before the throne of God himself and lay our prayers and petitions before him and know that he hears them. Hebrews 4.16 exhorts, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. As we abide in Jesus Christ, we are reshaped by the Spirit of God to become more like Jesus. And our thoughts and our desires are reshaped to become more like the thoughts and desires of Jesus. And as our thoughts and desires become more like His, our prayers become more like His. And and once our wishes are like His, we are promised, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. First John 5, 14 and 15 proclaim, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. This assurance of power and capability that is infinitely beyond our own should be a tremendous source of joy for us. As we struggle through life, speaking from personal experience, the more that I prayed according to God's will and and seeing him answer those prayers in many different ways, some completely unexpected, the more delight and joy I experience in my relationship with God. So if you're not already enjoying a rich prayer time with God, I urge you to grow and deepen your prayer life in coming days. There is tremendous joy in knowing and being in the will of God and seeing His almighty power at work firsthand to accomplish the task that He has laid before you. That's the joy that comes only through our relationship with Christ. And it's a joy that's meant to be shared with with people who feel increasingly powerless in the face of, of a world that just seems to be structured to benefit and protect others. And finally, we are joyful because in Christ we're loved. We talked about the experience and the gift of God's love last week, but it's a subject worth revisiting often. That's why Jesus brought the subject up so often. The love we experience through Christ is an integral part of our joy in him and and the, all these preceding sources of joy, all through verses 50, verses 1 through uh, 9, are, are they're building up to here. Verse 9 and 10, which promise, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. We are loved by the eternal Son of God. We are loved so much that he died for us. We are loved so much that after he rose from the dead, he went before us to repair a place for us in heaven. Now we must find our joy by abiding in that love. We do this by truly living as his disciple, by truly following his commandments and teachings, by taking seriously our obligations as his ambassadors to a dark and broken world. Our relationships in this life may be less than what we or God desires. Our family life or our friendships may be terribly broken. The world around us may hate us, but Christ always loves us. While our hearts may speak to us and say, oh, we're we're beyond Christ's love. They're lying. While our feelings may tell us that God has turned away from us, that our prayers are just hitting the ceiling and bouncing off, that we're on our own, they're lying. God's inspired and inerrant word here says that our hearts and our emotions, whatever they say about this subject, can be nonsense because Christ will always love us. And in that certainty, in that assurance, there is tremendous comfort and joy. It's this message of love and assurance that that the world around us so desperately longs to hear. And I can assure you that no man-made religion is offering anything like it. This is the unique truth of Christianity, which we need to be offering to a joyless world. And I pray that we would be faithful in doing so. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, what an incredible passage to savor this morning. All of these things which Jesus teaches that our joy may be complete, that He is concerned for our joy. What a tremendous gift, what a tremendous blessing that that Your eternal Son, by whom everything was created, who holds everything together, that he is concerned for our joy. So Lord, I pray that you will help us to be people of joy. That if we're lacking it in our lives, that you would help us turn to the relationship and the meaning and the power and the love of Jesus Christ and find our joy there, not in anything else in this world. And Lord, as we are people of joy, help us to carry that joy and share it with a world around us that badly needs this good news, that badly needs this joy, that is desperately looking to find it anywhere in anything. But so many are looking in the wrong place. Help us to be faithful in sharing this gift of Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we prepare to go out into this world, we want to give you a few moments to reflect on all that God has been speaking to you this morning. And I just invite you to use this time to reflect on the joy of your life, to reflect on the eternal joy that we have, but also to reflect on on your life. If you look and you examine your heart and see, I don't really have a lot of joy right now. To look Elsewhere for your joy, to look to Jesus Christ, to look to the vine, to look to the relationship and the meaning, and the power and the love we have in Jesus Christ. That you would indeed experience this joy, not only through the Advent season, but in the year to come. And that overflowing with that joy, you would share it with all you come in contact with. Let us worship.